0: So welcome to this afternoon's meditation class. This is the ongoing meditation class. If anybody has come here for the introduction to meditation class, that is being held in the room to my right over here, being taught by a wonderful person, that's Dennis. And so he will be teaching the four classes there. Uh, for this week, the week afterwards, the week after that, and the final session. This is for people who haven't meditated before Dennis's class, so this is the ongoing class. So, uh, on this ongoing class, the reason we make it ongoing, uh, or we have a separate class, this is where we can talk a little bit deeper about meditation, how it works, and how to encourage everybody to allow the meditation to develop into deeper states of stillness. That state of stillness, first of all, if you do get into a state where you see nothing much is happening, please stay there, don't disturb it. Uh, If you think it's dull and nothing much is happening, that's only the beginning. Uh, One of the similes which I've used is like when you're in a lit room uh, at night time and you go out into the into the garden where there's hardly any light at all, when you first go out from a lit room into the darkness, it takes a while for your eyes to adjust, you know, for the pupils to dilate, so more light can come in to your eyelid, to your eye, sorry. And that is just like when you have lived in a very busy world and you calm down, the mind becomes peaceful and still, when it becomes still, sometimes there's not enough there for the mind to really pick up. But You stay there for a little while longer and soon you can start to actually experience what's going on there. And you get, like we have with the eyes, night vision, here we get that sensitivity to the realm which many of us have already seen very deeply and that is the realm of the mind. What is happening is the five senses are turning off and the sixth sense is happening. Uh, and again, for those of you who are coming to the Introduction to Meditation class, the Introduction to Meditation class is in the room to my right over here. This is the ongoing class. So as we go deeper into the meditation, you know, we can actually become much more alert, more mindful, to what's happening inside our mind? Okay, just people are still getting themselves adjusted. Good day. Good Hi. Okie dokie. <laughs> so, anyway, so once the mind becomes, you become still inside. One of the whole purposes of the meditation is to let the bodily's five senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and physical touch, get so calm and peaceful that they turn off, they disappear. And that's one of the reasons why we try and sit in a peaceful place. We try and sit in a place which is uh, safe, The reason I say safe is because often that people's body tenses up, you know, if they have any fear at all. And please know that in all the years we've been here, there's been no danger happened here on a Saturday afternoon. No one has ever died here on a Saturday afternoon. We've been going for many years. So you're quite safe in this place. And he's not just not died, a lot of people have got some great experiences. It's a very safe, beautiful place. So you can relax. And when your mind relaxes, and your body relaxes, and your mobile phone relaxes, <laughs> and I can relax and stop talking later on, when everything gets quiet and peaceful, it's quite naturally you have the opportunity for the mind to feel free. Once that mind does start to feel free, free for what? Free to just be here. It doesn't have to do anything. The body is relaxed, the sound is not disturbing you, your eyes are closed so nothing visual is, uh, is disturbing you and the body, you know, inside even is relaxed enough that the body after a while can just basically turn off. Sometimes it's like you have, you came here in a car, many of you, and when you come in a car, you park it, you know it's safe, you know it's locked and secure, so it's there for you later on, you don't need to worry about it or keep checking on it. And because of that, you, it disappears you know, from your mind. It's one less thing to need to be burdened with. And as we come in here, we sit down, this place is safe, so you don't have to burden yourself with keeping your eyes open, always listening to somebody creeping up on me or something. You know that it's safe so you can let the senses disappear. A lot of the sensory activity is just for the feeling of safety for security, to make sure that the integrity of your body and the possessions you have with you is safe. But when we allow our body to relax totally, then we don't get aware of our hearing, we're not aware of obviously seeing anything and even our body relaxes so much it tends to disappear. One of the last senses which does turn off is the sense of sound. The sense of sound is the, the last sense which disappears and that is mostly because the sense of sound is our last form of defence. It's one of the reasons why even in the darkness I remember experiencing this in the jungles of Thailand when you were on your own, there's many animals in those jungles and many of those animals would look at monks and think that's a nice dinner. So they were dangerous animals. I know my teacher, Ajahn Chah, always told me that like, tigers have never known to eaten a monk. When he said that, I replied, well, how would you know? The tiger wouldn't confess. There'd be nothing left of the monk to know they'd been eaten. So it wasn't reassuring at all. But nevertheless, when you were meditating in those jungles, often you keep your, your ears listening just in case. They weren't totally turned off. But here, we don't have any tigers in this temple. We don't have any snakes. We don't have anything which is dangerous. Which means that you can, as I often say, to relax to the max. It's like your own home. When you do relax like that, the senses turn off. When those senses start to turn off, then you have some peace. However, once those senses do turn off, there's two other things which often disturb people. One of those things which disturb people is your breathing. I mention this because just talking a few days ago uh, to somebody about these sensory deprivation chambers which first came into Perth just when I arrived in Perth 40 years ago. And the senior monk at that time was Ajahn Chakra, I was number two. He got to be able to try one of these sensory deprivation chambers out. What they are, if you don't know about them, is little um, basically boxes and there's water in there, salt water. It's at the, your body density, it's the body temperature. So when you're laying in that water, it supports your bodily weight. It's not feel cold or hot. In other words, there's hardly any sensory uh, irritation at all. You're just floating there. And it's light proof, sound proof. So they're trying to keep as many disturbances out of this tank as possible. But the two disturbances which do keep annoying people, if you're in that tank, is your own noises, the noise of your breathing, or just your thinking. And so, in order to keep that quietness inside, so your body really turns off, we also need to be able to calm down our breathing. And also, to calm down our thinking. To me it's a bit strange why people have to think all the time. Maybe that's because I'm a monk and I've trained myself over so many decades of learning to sit down and not think. Be aware, to know very clearly, but not to give things names and not go into any logical sort of discourse to myself, not given inner commentary. And Very often in life I've noticed just how those commentaries in your own mind can really affect the way you see things. And of course one of those times, which I always remember this, was when I was travelling from one place to another on an aircraft and it was time for the in-flight movie of course I didn't take any headphones but the, the screen came down in front of me so I couldn't avoid looking at the, the movie and, but I'd never had any soundtrack to it. So I was watching this movie and it looked so ridiculous I was laughing my head off all the time. I didn't have the movie, no music, just watching it. and. I remember afterwards, it was one of the funniest movies I'd seen when it was silent and it was actually called Armageddon apparently. People sitting next to me were just really tensed up and afraid and then relieved when it all worked out well in the end. But I saw it without any soundtrack to to control my emotions, I thought it was just hilarious. I think people who were sitting next to me thought, You know, I must be really weird with a bald head and brown robes and laughing at a disaster movie, but nevertheless that's how it appeared. And so if any of you ever want to have an interesting experience, see a very terrifying movie about zombies or something, but turn off all the sound and just watch it without any music or any sound, you find it's a totally different experience. But anyway, that commentary which you have in your head is actually quite disturbing compared to the silence you can experience. So if we're going to calm down our senses, those are one of the, the two of the most important things to learn how to calm down your breathing and your thinking. And at first we're not used to that, but after a while you get quite respectful and quite um, enjoy the silence of the mind, even the silence in this place. You can hear the sound of traffic in the distance when I'm not speaking. Other than that, there's very little noise. It is a silent place and after a while we value. That silence. We're not listening to the words or the thoughts anymore. We're listening to the, the silence and the mind which is almost like behind that silence is peaceful and it becomes very joyful after a while. This is one of the amazing things about meditation. When your five senses start to turn off, you can hardly hear anything. You're not seeing anything. Your body is so relaxed, it's like disappears. What you're experiencing when lives in that silence is a great sense of freedom and joy. You're not asleep, you are highly aware in this moment of great joy and happiness in what we call the bliss states. That's why one of the reasons I've mentioned this before but only in passing because I usually focus on this on the meditation retreats. It's many times when people are meditating, they, they get into these states of meditation, they can't hear anything, their mind is pretty still, they're not giving things names or having conversations with themselves or telling themselves a life story or fixing up all their problems, they are really silent. And after a while, they notice the mind appears bright, even luminous, they start to experience lights in the mind and those lights in the mind should always be accompanied by this joy and happiness so much so, it's called limiters and if these come up, they're powerful, never be afraid of them, you're perfectly safe and actually you're very, very, very safe and it's a very beautiful experience and it's a start of understanding the nature of that sixth sense, the mind as the other five senses have turned off. So this is actually what happens in the meditation and if any of you have ever experience any of these deep states, then please enjoy them. Now I've often told that story in one of these retreats which I taught over in Janagro, quite a few years ago now. One of the per- people who actually came to sign in for the retreat. You know, had just a singlet, shorts, thongs, and was full of tattoos all over and curly hair. And he wasn't the sort of person which I'd usually expected to come to our Buddhist society and join on our retreats. I was just judgmental, it's my mistake. But this was the guy you've heard me tell the story before, who just his first retreat. Now he came to one of the interviews and he did actually get into one of the jhanas, deep meditations. It was incredible that he could do that. And I thought he just disappeared. I haven't seen him for years. But somebody told me they met him a few weeks ago and just, it was a true story. It was his first long retreat. He did a weekend retreat before, but this was a long retreat. And just he managed to calm down and be still so much he got into a very deep state of meditation which his body disappeared and he was just enjoying the bliss of his mind. And The only thing the person said that it changed his whole life you know, for the better, a beautiful meditation. And he hadn't hardly done much meditation before in his life but it meant so much to him. So it is possible, that's one of the reasons why I like to mention these states, it's not you're doing something wrong, it's perfectly alright, very good, but it doesn't really matter just what you're wearing. He was really badly dressed for a retreat and I don't care, he got into a nice state of mind. He has so many tattoos, I don't have any tattoos, I don't recommend tattoos. But If you haven't had deep meditation yet, perhaps you should try and get a tattoo. <laughs> That's only a joke. But nevertheless, he had a very beautiful time. And it wasn't just a beautiful time for the experience itself. You know, The comment was, it changed his life for the better enormously. So these are what, some of the things which can happen when you get some nice, beautiful, peaceful, deep meditations. So anyway, you can talk about it, but the best way is to experience it for yourself. So if you're not already in your meditation posture, now I invite you to um, sit down, adjust your body, get your stool out. I'm going to adjust my cushion under my bottom to make sure it's comfortable so we can at least look after our body, make it calm and then we can look after our mind and make it calm. Once you are reasonably comfortable, then that's better. Then close the eyes. And I always find it helpful to do a body scan at the beginning. Starting with my toes. It needs quite a bit of mindfulness to be aware of sensations in a part of your body you don't normally spend so much attention on. So now I'm experiencing the feeling in my toes. Usually when I first look at those toes, there's nothing there. But I keep my attention there and soon I can pick up what the toes feel like. I make that connection between my brain and my toes. If there's pain or ache there somewhere, it's easy to see, but when it's at ease, I want to pick up that feeling so I know what a comfortable part of my feet that is. Once I have that experience, that feeling, then I move up. So if I know my toes are are comfortable. And I go to my feet, the soles of my feet, the uppers skin, anything else which I can pick up in the rest of my feet. And relax and everything. Sometimes I forget that even though there's no pressure on my feet, sitting down like this, sometimes you can tense up muscles and now I learn how to do the opposite to relax all those muscles, to feel them having no tension at all, feel the muscles become loose and at ease. I often compare it you know, to soaking your feet in a hot bath or like a hot basin of water. I remember used to doing that when you would walk home from school in the snow in UK And then you get a basin of water and just soak your feet in that for a while. It used to feel so delightful. All the muscles were relaxing. Now you do that just through mindfulness and kindness. And then I go to my ankles to make sure they're relaxed, at ease. And I just scan that attention up my legs, going up the calves. And as I move the attention upwards, I can feel these feel muscles or the skin. And to make sure everything is relaxed, there's ease, nothing pulling at any part of those Uh, lower legs, and all being as, as relaxed as I can possibly manage to give it. I get to my knees. I just put my attention there. It's like saying to my two knees, How are you? Anything I can do to assist? I'm giving this beautiful view of caring for my knees. And I can feel my two knees just relaxing, being at ease. Any tightness or fear just easing off. Any injuries? Just healing up. When you imagine that, it's almost like it's happening. You've got my thighs, feeling those muscles. I'm not just experiencing them, but giving them that relaxing kindness. And we have this method in Buddhism of sharing loving-kindness with all beings. May all beings be happy and well. And I'm doing that with sincerity to my own thighs. Wishing them well. Caring for them. And you know, I started to do that, I can feel there's some tension in my thighs. So I'll just linger there a while longer. that's all I do. And then those thigh muscles start relaxing. The tightness eases off. And it becomes a pleasant place put my awareness on. So that allows me to move further up my, bod- my, my body, up to my butt. And I do feel the pressure of my body sitting on the cushion. I feel it care for it, wish it well, then that feeling becomes even, evenly spread across my buttocks. It allows me to know I can leave you alone now because that feeling will settle down. I've done the best I can to ameliorate that pressure and soon it will just disappear. So I move up to my waist. I already just strained up my back because for me it feels more comfortable. So I straighten up my back. I can feel some tightness in the top of my back. So I'm gonna make sure I don't straighten up and just cause too much tension up there. Just find the, the the best, the maximum comfort for my back. I'm always ready to care for it if I find out I got it a little bit wrong. And then go back to the bottom of my torso and move my awareness up f- From the bottom, that's usually the digestive tracts. Making sure they're all at ease. If I find any tension now at all, which I can feel just a, a little way up my body. I just focus there with kindness. Looking on that feeling with, as they say, kindly eyes of mindfulness. That's all I need to do, because then usually that feeling gets softer and it disappears. It allows me to go scan my attention further up the body to my stomach. up to my lungs, I'm pretty relaxed now so I don't need to breathe so forcefully The breath is gentle like an engine in neutral, just purring softly away Go up to my chest and my heart Feeling everything is relaxed, at ease Eventually getting to my shoulders Which are slightly tense So I imagine just Loosening that tension, sometimes I imagine these invisible beings, four of them putting apart these muscles on either side of the spine, my shoulder muscles. Imagine them letting go, so there's no tightness on those shoulder muscles at all. They're relaxed and sending that mindfulness with kindness down the arms, past the elbows, down the forearms, to the wrists and then to the hands. And today I've got my hands apart. But it feels good, so I'm going to let them be there And I go back up to my shoulders and the neck But before I go to relax the neck I just look at the whole body from the neck down Relaxed quite deeply And then make sure that my Head is balanced on top of the neck, which it is now. And make sure my facial muscles are relaxed, especially the muscles around the eyes and the nose and the mouth. I can feel them. I'm aware of those muscles. And I know if the emotions are disturbed, those muscles tense up When my emotional world is peaceful and kind, then those muscles ease off So I'm relaxing my emotions by relaxing the muscles in my face I can feel them And I've learned how to relax them. just look at my whole body from the top of the head down to those toes, the tips of my fingers and really relax to the max. My body feels so much more at ease than when I began. And There's a certain feeling of delight when the body relaxes It's like irritations have been removed Sicknesses, aches and pains have disappeared It feels good And I pause there This is where insight comes from you experiencing this. Do you know what caused it? What caused this feeling of peace and relaxation? It's an awareness and a kindness which allows things to let go, relax, takes pressure off things. That's precisely what relaxes the mind. So now I can transfer this attitude to my own mind. How peaceful am I? And I can feel some of the burdens which were weighing on my mind at the beginning of this meditation. Things I thought I needed to do. Jobs yet unfinished. I always remember that saying, what's done is finished. So I don't need to think about the future. And As for the past, You learn not to judge the past To forgive, to let go So when you're kind to the past And you're kind to the future It's easy to let the past and future go If you're judgmental or afraid, it's hard to let those things go. So now I'm in this moment called now. Just being here. It's a much better place to be than when I have my eyes open, I'm doing things, talking to people. Going somewhere. I'm not going anywhere, not doing anything, just being in this moment. You know, the next thing which happens. It's not something I do or plan to do, it's what occurs. Those verbal functions of the mind, describing, naming, all calm down. It's not just the inner chatter disappears, so not just the external chatter, but the inner chatter disappears. In this moment, you're knowing without describing it to yourself. It's a silence of the mind. And after, you can normally be aware of your breathing. Not doing anything, just knowing what's happening right now with your breath. And soon your breath just really calms down. And if you're peaceful enough, the inside appears bright. There's plenty of awareness. It's beautiful. Don't be afraid of the joy because that's an important part of being able to see these things called nimittas. The lights inside the mind, enjoy them to the max, I will be quiet now. It's getting close to the end of the meditation now, how do you feel, what does it feel like to be distant from the five senses deep inside? What is peace like as an experience? When I start speaking, it's also an invitation to start being aware of your body again, how your body feels. Is it more relaxed when you leave it alone more at ease, pain-free and healthy feeling? It's the experiences, which we call insights, direct experience. I will now ring the gong three times. Please even listen to the sound of the gong. What is sound? And after the third ringing you may open your eyes. Okay, let's see if there's any questions to answer. Any from people here? Yes, Lawrence. People who are addicted to social media, it's why. It's a source of pleasure, a source of interest and satisfaction. But after a while, usually you find that one's interested in social media gets less and less. Like the same sort of stuff gives less returns. So sometimes social media gets just more extreme. And so if you see that happening, you say, I don't want to be a part of that. And so you do something like you go to you know, a personal retreat at Jhana Grove for a few days and you just leave all of your uh, devices, you know, when you arrive, you can give them to me, I'll look after them for you, put them in my hut and hide them. And so you can just see what it's like going cold turkey on social media and you're not that important in the world, lost. <laughs> the world is not going to stop, the economies are not going to all fall down when you're not there to participate. What happens is you find you can live without them, and it's really peaceful and beautiful. And that just lessens their feeling of importance. You have an alternative, you don't need that. And if you can find that alternative, you don't need to be on social media. Oh, what freedom that is. We never used to have social media. People actually used to talk to each other in the old days. But anyway, that's a good opportunity to overcome that. Just leave all your devices somewhere and just go to monastery. Retreat centre. Live without them for a few days. You know, when we first built Joanna Grove, one of the reasons we built it down there, it was a very low receptivity to the internet. It was like a little dark area, and the reason was we found out that the people who owned the mobile phone tower, the closest one, that they'd been asked by the government to actually to block off the direction of Karna Prison Farm so that they couldn't receive much internet at that farm. And so that meant also Jhana Grove was in the way. So that had very low internet for many years, low connectivity. You can get one now, yeah. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons why we built it there, honestly, low connectivity. But anyway, so you have to do that as, uh, as your choice and you can do that. Sometimes we say you can give the telephone number of the caretakers, so if there's anything which is very, very, really important, then your family can ring them up and say you know, there's an important message for you. That means you don't have to worry about a thing. Just enjoy the silence of the place. I'll answer some questions because otherwise i just really get into this. Oh, those times in North Thailand, there was not even any electricity, no telephone, nothing. It was a beautiful time. You didn't know what year it was, what day it was. I remember somebody coming into the monastery once and saying, oh, just to let you know, let you know, your country is at war with Argentina. And I said, that's one of the funniest jokes I've heard. You know, what's the punchline? It was true, is that the Falklands War or something? I couldn't believe it at the time because she was totally apart from all that was going on in the world. Anyway, that's a good idea to go after a place like a monastery. Or go bush, get a little camper van and just go into the middle of nowhere. Yeah, for days, yeah. Anyway, uh, four, five questions here. Uh, Tiffany, is it from Perth. Is it normal to accept your death during deep meditation? The other day during my sitting, I reconciled myself with the end of my loved ones' deaths. You know, why not? It's, we're all going to disappear one day and there's nothing wrong with that. The most important part of death is just make sure you've lived well. When a person asked me, just give some advice on dying well, and the advice was live well. You know how to live, you know how to die, it's not a problem. And uh, Tim from Indonesia, in meditation, don't try to do anything, do, to what extent does this counted say, in order to have better understanding? Sure we need effort to go on to your monastery, is letting go an effort. When you're meditating, that's a time out. You know that when you are sleeping at night, you're not supposed to be eating or going to the toilet while you're sleeping. Sleeping is for sleep. Meditation is for not doing anything, totally letting go. If you want to go to the monastery, don't think you can get to Bodhinyana Monastery by sitting cross-legged with your eyes closed, thinking you're going to suddenly wake up at Bodhinyana Monastery. Meditation is a time not to let go, so meditation is a time to let go and do nothing. When you come out of your meditation, then you can do something. But while you got your eyes closed, become still. Don't plan anything, no need to remember anything. Be still. Be peaceful. And you know what Bodhinyana Monastery is there for. Gloria, I feel like i become a child and I feel so vulnerable during meditation. What should I do? Thank you. When you're meditating, I actually feel the opposite. I feel just not a child, not an adult, just a human being. Actually, not even a human being, just a mind. And you feel so safe. Nothing can harm you in meditation. It's like you're not there. So, nothing can um, bother you. There's so many times when you've been meditating, really still, and basically nothing harms you. So, if you feel vulnerable when you're meditating, I don't think you've got into deep enough stillness. When the mind becomes really still, it's nothing to, to be hurt anymore, nothing to lose. You feel just at peace and satisfied and incredibly strong. In, and this is from Zumbach in Arizona. Can you elaborate what Ajahn Chah meant by chicken meditation. Chicken meditation was noticing that chickens sit for hours, many, many hours on their eggs without moving. And those eggs are very uncomfortable. If you think that your meditation cushion or chair is uncomfortable, imagine sitting for hours on round eggs, like a chicken does. And then somebody once asked Ajahn Chah, if you really want to get enlightened, is it really important that you sit for hours and hours and hours without moving? And that's when Ajahn Chah compared such meditators with chickens. Chickens sit for hours on their eggs, but Ajahn Chah, has never seen an enlightened chicken, have you? (laughs) So it doesn't matter about the time you spend, it's the quality of that time. Is it really peaceful? Are you really still? And after a while, if your body tends to disappear, you can sit for hours, not like a chicken. It is very peaceful and very still. So chiki meditation was people who just think that sitting long is the reason for getting enlightened. It's not the sitting long, it's sitting deep is a cause for for enlightenment. And lastly, oh, how can I meditate more skillfully? Learn to let go more, be kind more. How do you know you're meditating skillfully? Because you feel so peaceful afterwards. It's weird for me to say this, but peaceful, but energized. I was quite tired when I started this meditation session. I feel full of energy now. The tiredness has disappeared. The clarity has come back. So I know just what good meditation is. It's a great way of just preparing myself to serve other people afterwards. From Devonshire and Ian from Devonshire. When I sit to meditate upon waking up in the morning, should I make sure to shower and eat breakfast first? Not necessary. Just whatever fits into your schedule. So if you want to just get up and meditate straight away, that's fine. Sometimes, remember, if you get into a nice deep meditation, just you can meditate and sit there for hours. So you might miss your breakfast, or miss your shower, it doesn't matter. You're showering inside with peace. It's much better than whatever you do outside. So there's no big rules there. Make sure that you know you, the body feels... One thing I would always do is to ask the body, body, do you need to shower? body, do you want breakfast now? And just whatever's available. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, even though the breakfast may be there for you, you know, the body says, no thank you, I'm happy where I am, just close your eyes and meditate instead. Does that make sense? So any questions from the floor
1: here? <laughs> Ajahn Brahm. I'd like to say something on social media and negativity and how we deal with it, you know. Okay, could you, yeah, you email me? Ah. <laughs> <that>? <laughs> no. You see, some of the social media, they spread lies, you know, division, hatred, you know, fear and all these things. So after listening to them, sometimes you know, like a, you feel, they stir you up, you know, you feel that, how do I say, reset the... the and, and yeah, so what I do is, I just but' right, I would spend about maybe f- depending you know, on the severity of it, five, 10, 15 minutes watching my feeling you know, and let it go down, all these things and, I, and then and then I let go. Cause I, because it's easy to keep them to you know, harbor all these things. You know. Yes,
0: indeed. Sometimes what happens is when you are stirred up, it's hard to stir yourself down yeah. and just to relax and be peaceful. So if it is social media you're watching, see if you can kind of watch it at a distance. So Don't get involved and drawn into it. Keep a space between you and what you're experiencing. So if it is something which is rubbish, you can turn it off. It's my favourite button on any computer, delete.
1: But sometimes you're caught in it, you, know, you tune on, that. And instead of deleting things, no, I want to hear what the person says, you know, no. you know, just, just like a, you know, you know who they are. So you want to hear them this thing no. and then surely all this negative comes up from them.
0: Indeed. Sorry. Look, you know, you know, even if you're listening to me on, online, you know what I'm going to say, you've been coming here for years. So you can delete me. <laughs> any <laughs> I don't mind being deleted. I'm trying to do that to myself to delete me. so if you want to delete me, fine. Oh. you're my friend. <laughs> okay, is there any other questions? Okay, well. Stop now and if anybody wants to come up afterwards, you can talk to me, but don't email me. <laughs> I'm, I don't know how to do... I don't know what the other social media is. What are the other social medias? What do people do? On TikTok or YouTube? No, not YouTube. What? Yeah, no, I don't know any of those. It's wonderful at my age, we never used to use those things. Now, do I use in- email to do business for the BSWA, but not to interact socially? As a mark, we're supposed to be de socializing, keeping a bit of peace and stillness, which is wonderful. Okay, so now I'm going to bow three times. And if you have another question, please come up to ans- ask it afterwards. Because at, f- at five o'clock we're doing a little ceremony. That's why a lot of Thai people are here for the Bakapuja.